0: We'll stand for the reading of God's Word. Beginning with verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or could a man the locusts devour the land or send pestilence among my people? If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their Amen. land. Amen. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. You may be seated, God. Help me to say nothing more, nothing less. Okay. than what you have for your people are relying 100% solely upon you today. Open our ears, when we may hear our hearts so we can understand and receive from you in your precious holy name. God laid this upon my heart this week. What's happened here is that Solomon has finished the temple. You know, God laid upon David's heart that he would build a dwelling place for the Lord, a temple to honor God. And God told him, David, you've been a man of war. You're not the person to do this, but you can start getting all the materials. Your son will do it. And so it fell upon Solomon to build God's temple. And in these preceding uh, verses before this chapter, before this, the temple is built. And the nation of Israel goes through a 10 day feast and a 10 day time of sacrifice. Seven days of sacrificing and 10 days of feasting to prepare, to anoint, to, to sanctify the temple for God, to declare that it's His. And Solomon gives a prayer at the end of the festivities and The nation is honoring God and they're worshiping God. And sometime later, we don't know exactly how long, God appeared to Solomon in a dream. He said to Solomon, What I just read to you. He said, I will dwell here. And then he said, When I sin drought, and when I sin famine, and when I sin sickness, upon my people. If they will humble themselves and call upon my name, see, pray, I will hear from heaven and I will answer their cry. Each one of us is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us that. We're the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't dwell in buildings. In fact, He allowed His glory to be in that building, but it didn't contain Him. It was simply He allowed his presence to rest there. But what separates you and I from the temple is that God dwells inside of us. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit indwells us. It is the seal. Paul wrote in Ephesians, it is the seal. The Holy Spirit being given to us is the seal that we belong to God. He lives inside of us. God dwells in us. And it makes you and I his resting place, his temple, his tabernacle, so instead of there being a physical place, that's why Jesus said there's coming a time where you can worship. won't worship them there and you won't worship them here, the true worshipers will worship them in spirit and in truth. Why? Because the temple walks around with you. You and I are the temple. And the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. We are the temple. There is no physical temple any longer. And when you look at this verses. God says, I'm going to dwell here. He put his glory. The Bible says his glory was there. And God dwells in you. But then he says here that when I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among among my people. What that says is, is that he knew that there was coming a time when his people would rebel against him. Mm -hmm. In fact, they... Long lived up to this rebellion over and over again. There was coming a time when they would sin against him and they would reject him and they would disobey him. And when that time came, God would have to issue punishment. He would have to judge them. Why? Because God, he chastises those he loves. The people of Israel was his chosen people. And so he said, when they rebel against me, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to shut up heaven, and so there'll be no rain. There'll be famine. I'm going to send locusts to eat all their crops. Or I might send pestilence, sickness, and disease to destroy them, to punish them, to afflict them. See, many times in our lives, the problems that you and I have are because God's trying to get our attention. Mm -hmm. I told my brother once when I was talking to him, and he said... he said, just things keep going wrong, keep going wrong. No matter what I do, everything I've done my whole life has worked out this way or that ways. He said, but now no matter what I do, I can't, I can't do things right. Nothing seems to work out. And I said, it's like sand in your pocket, right? It's just kind of there, and then it goes away. You keep putting it and refill it, but it just falls through. If you've ever been to the beach and you've got <coughs> sand, it gets everywhere. But once it dries, it, it will just fall everywhere. It just falls off of you. It's like sand, and it just disappears in the wind. No matter what you do, no matter what you put, you and I put our hands to it, is it isn't successful. Or we're having problems. No matter what we do in our marriage, we cannot find peace. We cannot find agreement. No matter what we do on our jobs, it just seems like we don't have favor anymore. It seems like it's stacked against us. It doesn't mean everything that comes against us is God's judgment. But many times God is trying to get our attention because we've allowed him, we've replaced him, right, uh, with ourselves or with other things. I don't know why God's laid this message on my heart again this week, but you'll have to bear with me. Maybe I'm just preaching to me. But we, he, he wants our attention. He's not hearing us because we have rejected him. We're living in disobedience. We're living in sin. We've walked away from him. And so he cannot hear us. Our nation right now is living in the turmoil that it's living in because we've stopped listening to God. Amen. Because we've stopped following after God. Because even though it's in our pledge and it's all in our money, we don't no longer trust in God. Amen. Wow. We don't trust in God. We don't believe this is one nation under God. The church is silent, we're quiet, we're anemic, we're spiritually weak, and the devil is running rampant. The enemy is destroying everything. It's punishment. It's the punishment for years and years and years of rejecting God. And the church is seeing it infiltrate them. We are compromising like we've never compromised before. The church is making allowances for things that we never would have made allowances before. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm just talking about God's Word. I'm not talking about saying you can't cut your hair or that you you can't grow a beard or you can't wear makeup or you can't wear jewelry. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what God's Word says. We can no longer tolerate sin in our lives, in our homes, and in our churches. That's why God, because He loves He cares, He doesn't want us to stay that way so he allows things to begin to unravel in our lives. And we fight and try to fix it ourselves because we want to fix it. We don't realize that it's unraveling. We don't realize that we're fighting this battle. We're not realizing that we cannot get ahead because at some point we've diverted our path from God. It keeps going wrong. Things just keep happening over and over again. And then sometimes uh, we'll even blame God like we had nothing to do with it. I rejected God, but I blame God because he let something bad happen. I'm too caught up in my own bitterness and self-righteousness and self-pity and selfishness and self-centeredness to realize that it's a judgment of God. God's trying to get my attention. Right? He's giving me a little whooping. My mama, she believes, spare the rod, spoil the child. Let me tell you. But when I did something wrong, she whooped me. And when I got too old to whoop, she smacked me in the face. I mean, that's no joke, right? And I'm not, you could roll your eyes, but it's 100% true, and I'm not saying I didn't deserve it, because I did. And let me tell you something, I learned lessons from that. I learned that there were certain things I better not do. Right? There were words I better not say. There were looks I better not give her. There were things I better not do that were disrespectful to her, because there was going to be a punishment. Instant punishment, many times. I used to tease her about having Inspector Gadget arms. I can do that now that she's older, and I'm her pastor. I can tease her about those things. But uh, I used to tease her about having Inspector Gadget arms, because she felt like anywhere I was in the room, she could get to me. There was no safe place, right? You see... She's a tiny little thing. I'm a big old thing. I could never get away from her. But she believed that it was because she loved me and she loved my brothers. She was going to make sure that we knew what was right and what was wrong. And she enforced that through punishment. If we love our kids, we will not allow them to do whatever they want to do all the time because we will raise brats. And we will raise people who lack respect and disrespect. And that's why we have the generation that we have today, Is we had too many parents trying to be friends and not parents. But that's a message for another day. Right? Yes. Amen. Right? And so, just like we're supposed to punish, we're supposed to, 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 to issue, a, 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 I don't want to say judgment, but we're supposed to punish our kids. There needs to be consequences. That's what I'm looking for, for action. And the same thing relates to us. God is our father, and if God is our father, there are consequences to bad behavior. And his consequences to the nation of Israel, the only way he could get their attention was through natural disaster or being conquered by the enemy. When they as a nation rebelled, the only way he could get their attention again was to allow things to go really, really bad. No rain. No food. Sickness or an enemy to capture them. And the funny thing about Israel, and we knew it too, is they would go years and generations of being in captivity and being abused without realizing that all they needed to do was call upon God. Right? Look at the book of Judges. They would go years before they finally cry out. Not realizing that what they were facing was because of their own rebelliousness towards God. And we do that, too. We don't realize that we're, we're being chastised because God loves us and he's trying to correct our behavior. Mm-hmm. Look, if you're living in sin and God ain't trying to correct your behavior, uh, we might have a problem. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're living in if I'm living in constant rebelliousness towards God... And my conscience is so seer that I, I, uh, uh, God has just left me alone. Well, that's kind of scary because that's what the book of Romans says, that he turned them over to a debased mind. Right? So we, need, we should want God to give us that gentle nudge, that correction that says, hey, uh, what you're doing is wrong. I don't want to be turned over to my sin personally. Right. Right? We need that correction. We need that. When I was a kid, I did not appreciate that correction. I made one a mistake. My dad spent me, I think it was a total of twice in my whole life. Twice. And one time, I ran from him. Now, my dad had one leg shorter than the other. It wasn't the epitome of health. I don't know. I was maybe eight, eight years old, something like that. And I ran. Oh, that was a mistake. He said, you've got to come back home. And when I came back home, I got wore out. (laughs) Wore out because I tried to avoid the punishment. And the punishment was actually worse. If I had just let him whoop me, it would have been over with. But instead, it was worse because I ran. Right? We run from God as fast as we can to avoid anything that's uncomfortable. Because we don't want to be corrected. Who likes to be corrected? Who likes to be suffer consequences, none of us do consequences stink but they exist so that you and I walk and follow after him, that our lives, we can be corrected, there can be a course correction there can be a change so that we can ultimately arrive where he wants us to arrive when I was flying out on Monday to Arizona, we got about uh, 45 minutes away and there was a horrible storm And you could see, it was actually really cool, we were just high and just low enough that you could see below the clouds and over the clouds at the distance, and you could see the lightning in the clouds. But during that time, we had to be averted. We could not go in the storm, and so we were in a holding pattern for a while before we could land because we were avoiding the storm. When you and I do not respond to God's gentle nudges of correction, when we don't respond to that, we become in a holding pattern. And we do not move forward in what He has for us to move forward, and wow. we never land at the destination that He has to, uh, for us to land at because we are we, we we are not allowing Him to do the course correction. Right? That's good, right? We're not allowing Him to give us the little tap that says, "Hey, uh, you don't want to do that anymore." Then right. we blind ourselves, and so we never get to where we're supposed to be <coughs> because we're not willing to listen to. God's uh, His direction we're not willing to receive his correction mm-hmm. and so God says here I know this is what's going to happen and it happens to every single one of us and so therefore I'm going to give you some punishment when it does happen but then he makes a promise he says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves let's stop there for a second You belong to God. If you've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, you fall into that category. You are His people. I am His people. Right? Uh, I belong to Him. I am His. I am His child. And I belong to Him. So, therefore, I am His people. So, if, if I'm His people, this applies to me. That when I sin and I walk away, that He will hear when I humble myself. Now, what does humble myself mean? There are three things that God wants from us. And there's, I think, four things that he wants from us. And then there are three things that he promises to do in return. He wants us to humble ourselves. So he wants us to recognize what we're doing is wrong. He wants us to recognize that how we are living is wrong. And he wants us to correct it. And the first thing in correction is we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to recognize that we're wrong. Humbling means to be brought low. It means to be brought low. I don't like to be brought low. I like to be chest, puff, chest puffed up, The you know, at work we talk about it, the, the person riding in on their white horse and saving the day, right? You know, you're the guy, you're the person, you're all prideful. We don't like to be brought up, we like to be honored and we like to be respected and we like to be recognized, but that is not how it works with God. We got to recognize that without God we are nothing. We need to recognize that without His love, His grace, His mercy, that we would not have hope. We need to recognize that, honest to goodness, without him, we are helpless and we are hopeless. And we try many times to exalt ourselves next to God and be the God of our own lives. The Lord of our own life. And the first step for God to hear us is we have to humble ourselves. Did you know that when you're living in sin, God doesn't pay attention to what you have to say? Right here proves it when you and I are walking in rebelliousness, he he, he doesn't really, he hears, he knows what you're saying, but he he doesn't going to do anything about it. Because you and I cannot walk in rebelliousness and we cannot walk in sin and expect him to answer the prayer. The only prayer he's looking for is the prayer of repentance. That's the one he'll hear. That's the one he'll hear. It's the prayer of repentance. But if we're living in sin and rebelliousness, he cannot hear our prayers to make things better. He cannot hear her. every time in the, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, the nation of Israel would have to cry out to him before they'd have to get to where they were so broken and so low that they would cry out to him. And when they cried out and said, God, we are so sorry, he heard and delivered. For you and I, we have going to humble ourselves and say, God, i made a mess of things. I tried to do this all on my own. I, I didn't ask you first. I try to be Lord of my own life. I try to be God of my own life. I did these things. and didn't consult you first. I tried to be God. I am so sorry. I bring myself low. I humble myself before you. I acknowledge you that I am but dust. I am but a vapor and then I am God. Who am I that you are mindful of me? Amen. Right? Sometimes we get puffed up and we get prideful and arrogant. And we think we're somebody. We ain't nobody except who God made us to be. <laughs> Right? We're nothing but dirt that he breathed life into. He makes us special. He gives us our value, not ourselves. Right. we got to humble ourselves and recognize the source of everything in our life. We have to be brought low. And if I won't bring myself low, he will take my knees out from underneath me. Amen. Right? We have to be humble. And if I will humble myself, he will humble me for me. Right? Because he loves us so much that he's not willing to allow us to continue to walk in sin and to be separated from him and not living up to our potential. It's because of his love that he does that for no other reason. It's not because he's mean. It's not because he's hateful. It's not because he's vengeful. It's not because he's, you know, angry. It's because of love. Amen. It's because he loves us. So first things we have to humble ourselves. We have to recognize that we are nothing without him. And we need to say, I've been trying to drive. God, it's time for you to take control. I've been trying to lead and be the God of my own life, the Lord of my own life. I want you to be Lord of my life. I humble myself. So he says that my people are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek. So first I need to humble myself. And then when I humble myself, I can pray. When I humble myself, I can seek. See, if I try to seek God and I'm arrogant and prideful and not humbled, I will not find him. If I call upon God and I'm prideful and I'm arrogant and I'm selfish, he will not hear me. I cannot find him when I'm clouded with sin. And I cannot pray and he hear me when I am living in sin and rebelliousness. So I have to humble myself, then I can pray, then I can seek his face. He's talking about praying, he's saying repentance, right? He's talking about repentance. Pray, seek, acknowledge that I am nothing without him, that I'm lost without him, I can be nothing without him, I have no hope, I have no peace, I have no joy, I can't fix this mess. I don't want to be the God of my own life anymore. I don't want to live in rebelliousness and sin anymore. It's not working out for me. I'm tired of this mess. I can't fix it. So I humble myself and then I pray and I seek. And the first thing that you and I need to say is, God, have mercy on me. Don't start with the laundry list of things for him to fix. Start with God, have mercy on me. See, that's the passcode. That's the secret, right? You hear it when you were a kid. We had forts and you'd have to knock on the door and get the code to be able to get the ladder down and get let in, right? You had to have the secret code. Well, if you want God to hear from you, when you've been living in sin, the secret code is, God have mercy on me. I am sorry. Forgive me. Right? Once you see it, once you see that, that, that God is the source of the pain that you're having because of your own rebelliousness and your own sin, then we have a responsibility. When we humble ourselves. We confess. Then we must turn from our wicked ways. Saying that you're sorry and being sorry are two different things. Amen. If I'm really sorry, I won't do it anymore. Amen. Now that doesn't mean we're not going to mess up. We're still in this flesh. We're still going to make 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 mistakes. Might even still mess up with what I messed up before, but I'm striving to seek him. I'm no longer trying to be the Lord of my life and the God of my life. And when I mess up, I instantly recognize it and I ask for forgiveness and I make corrections in my life to not do it again. Right? I don't watch the shows that I used to watch. I don't watch the movies that I used to watch. I don't read the books that I used to read. I don't do the things that I used to do. I don't put myself in situations that cause that behavior that tempt me to be to do what I know is wrong. Amen. Right? But you're not sorry if you continue to put yourself... I continue to put myself in places where I'm tempted to do what got me in trouble in the first place. Amen. Let me tell you something. You are never strong enough to walk back in to the place where your sin is being carried out and lived and not get some on you. Amen. Right. Wow. You and I are not strong enough Trust me, I'm not strong enough and you're not super Christian enough to walk into the den of sin and not get some on you. Amen. We cannot go back to the debauchery and the things that caused us to sin in the first place and think somehow now I'm super powerful, manly, better, good, good to go and I'm not going to be tempted. That's not true. Amen. Ain't none of us that strong. Now the Holy Spirit lives inside of us but he lives inside of us to correct us before we go there. Yeah. Right? He corrects us before we go there. Don't put ourselves in those situations. If there are TV shows, if there are movies that cause you to lust in your heart or cause you to to resent your husband or resent your wife, stop watching them. If there are books that you're reading that cause you to resent your husband or resent your wife, stop reading them. If there are people in your life that are causing you to resent your husband or resent your wife, Break the relationship. Amen. If there are things, if you've got a problem with, uh, with, with, with alcoholism, you've got a problem with drugs, get away from the people that get you to do those things. Amen. Get away from the scenarios and the places that get you involved in those things. Amen. If you've got people that cause you to be someone that you don't want to be, you know you shouldn't be, stay away from them. Amen. What is it I gain the whole world, but I lose Amen. my soul? So, what if I'm the most popular at parties? So, what if I've got millions of friends? So, what if I got all these things, yet I still lose my soul? Amen. Jesus said, Don't fear those who can destroy the body, but fear the one who can destroy your soul in hell. My soul in hell. Right? He said, don't lay up your treasures here on earth where moth and rust and corrosion can destroy, but store up our treasure in heaven where there is no corrosion. It can never be destroyed. It's always eternal. Right? Turn from our wicked ways. Nothing is worth losing heaven. Nothing is worth losing God. Nothing is worth losing Jesus. Nothing. Nothing is worth it. Nothing in your life or my life is worth it. And so therefore, if you need to cut off a relationship, cut it off. Amen. It may hurt. It may be uncomfortable. It may not feel good. Get rid of it. Mm-hmm. If you've been trying to be a witness to them for 10 years and they still ain't been witness to, you probably ain't done getting your job done. Time to walk away and ask your God to send somebody else. Yeah. Right? This guy named John Acuff writes a book called stuff Christians like, and one of the things he talks about is these singles that do missionary dating. (laughs) I'm going to date them into the kingdom. That's my calling, is to date them into the kingdom. Right? Let me tell you something. You ain't dating nobody into the kingdom. Just ask some people who were unequally yoked. You can talk to my mama someday what it was like to try to date someone and marry someone into the kingdom. (sighs) And how, how much fun that was. Right? You can't Right? So, so it's best just to stay away. Set those standards. right? You can't be someone's friend into the kingdom. If they're having more of an influence on you, let me say it that way. If they're having more of an influence on you than you are on them, it's time to cut it loose. As long as you are the positive influence, as long as you're the one being the influence, that's fine. But when they're getting you to compromise who you are, it's time to cut it loose so if we will repent and we will turn from our wicked ways, if we just stop doing it, we stop running back to that thing, we stop participating in that behavior, we stop doing that which separates us from God in the first place. When you and I stop that, that's when heaven is unlocked. Now think about that. That's when heaven's unlocked. Jesus, the Bible says that God owns a cat on a thousand humans. David wrote that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. Right? Jesus said don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself. He gave all these promises. If you ask, you shall receive. Right? You have not because you ask not or you ask a He says all of these promises, but those promises cannot be available to you as long as heaven's shut. That's good. Right? As long as... Long as my sin has caused me to be on the outside of the inner circle. Uh, I can't receive those blessings. Mm. And things are just going to get worse. But the door shut. And until you and I confess and change, there ain't getting what's behind door one. Right? There's no blessing for us. There's no promises for us. Heaven is shut and we shut it. Wow. Until we humble ourselves, pray, seek. And turn from our wicked ways. But the great thing about God is, is even though heaven's been shut, when you and I do those things, he says what? I will yes. hear from heaven. Thank you, Lord. That's all he's waiting for is for you and I to say I'm sorry and for you and I to turn from what it is that we've put in front of him, from what it is that causes us to fall or to sin or be separated from him. He's standing at the door waiting to open it. Right? He ain't trying to keep you out. He ain't trying to keep me out. I'm keeping myself out. I'm keeping myself from having communion. I'm keeping myself from having that relationship. I'm keeping myself out. He ain't keeping me out. I'm keeping me out. And he's waiting for you and I to come so he can open the door and say, come on in. I hear you now. I hear you now. You ever have your kids, when they were little, do something wrong, right? And then you know when they're really sorry, right? I've had my kids do things wrong, even as adults, and they come to you and they're really sorry. Maybe they cry, but, I mean, you can tell they are so sorry for what they've done. How does it make you feel? Are you mad? Are you angry? You're like, no, come over here and give Daddy a hug. All right, come on over here. Let, let's hug. Thank you for saying that. I know you're sorry. You're not going to do it again. Come give me a hug. you want it because you don't like being estranged from them. You don't like being separated from them. You don't like to feel like something's not right in the relationship. It's like a prodigal son and the father. You are waiting for them to return. You're watching, waiting for them to come back. And he's watching and waiting for you and I to say, I'm sorry. And he will open up heaven and he will hear us. Mm -hmm. He says, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will hear. I will forgive. And then what? I will heal. There is an order. He will not hear until I confess. Humble, confess, repent, and turn from my wicked ways. He will hear, then he will forgive, then he will heal. See, he already knows what you need before you ask him. In fact, contrary to popular belief, and I struggle with this myself, he wants to give you what you need. Well, he wants to give it to you. I think many times he wants to bless us, he wants to answer our prayer, he wants to deliver on that promise, but he can't because I'm holding him back. He's waiting on me to repent. He's waiting on me to to do turn from my wicked ways. He wants to give us that good thing. What parent doesn't want to give their child a good surprise or a good thing? If you look at God like a parent, which he says that he is, he specifically says, What parent would give a rock to their child when they ask for bread or a serpent if they ask for something else? Right? He says, How much so will your father give good things to those who ask? His children. He wants to give us good things. He's excited about that. He's not some cosmic killjoy joy, throwing lightning bolts every time we make mistakes. He ain't sitting up there ready to zap us every time we mess up. It hurts his heart when you and I reject him. And when you and I are rebellious, it hurts his heart like a loving father. And he doesn't want to be separated from you. And he doesn't want to be separated from me. He wants to commune and know and spend time with you and I. He doesn't want to be separated so that when you and I confess we repent and we turn he wants to forgive he's just waiting for you and I to ask he wants to hear he wants to forgive he's just waiting and when he does he will heal he will answer then all of a sudden you'll have peace in your home peace on your job peace with your family peace All of a sudden, all those things that no matter what happened, they were broken and you couldn't fix it, all of a sudden they start to fix themselves. He hears. He forgives. He heals. And he wants to. He doesn't have to be cajoled, prodded, begged, pleaded with simply wants to hear and see a heart that's truly contrite and sorry and humble. That's all he wants. We do not have to be like those guys did in the Bible with Baal and those people cutting themselves and all that nonsense. He doesn't need us. Need that? He doesn't want that. He doesn't want you to make promises and resolutions to do better in the future before he'll forgive you. He just wants a contrite heart. Humble him. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.